0: here this morning with you and bringing forth the Lord's word. <clears throat> As we get started here, um, let's, let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for how awesome you are. I and mean, we thank you, Lord, for the work that you want to accomplish in our lives Lord, forgive us for how we turn away, how we stiff-arm the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to welcome your truth into our lives, not just mentally ascend to it, but to welcome it in our hearts and minds and ask for your help to live it out. Please be glorified in this, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have water up here, so whoever was going to go get water, don't worry. Sorry. What are you becoming? What are you becoming? Proverbs 23 has this familiar phrase in it. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. This morning, we, uh, as you can see, and if you're looking at the outline uh, found in your bulletin, we're going to be considering the battle for your mind. I'm not an expert in any specific area, not educationally, not professionally, and not even (laughs) hobby-wise. But having been in church ministry for a while, it's, it's clear that typically believers stand or fall in life based on how they think. Or how they don't think. Um, I've been caught plenty of times of not thinking before acting. You understand that? You can relate. Thank you. But I'm not talking here this morning about thinking like an Ivy League smart or a dropout dumb either. I want to have us consider what the Bible says in one area, really, about being spiritually minded versus worldly minded. And because we're all typically uh, church attenders, we all kind of figure we're there spiritually minded. Amen? (laughs) But I think there's some interesting things that Scripture exposes and um, God help us to receive his word here this morning. I believe this is where we are really living. This is where there's true spiritual warfare. And the battle for your mind is a real one. And sadly, I think many believers are losing in the battle. or And, and not even realizing it. Scripture says in, in the Old Testament, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, that God's people <clears throat> are destroyed for a lack of what? A lack of knowledge. And so, this issue of spiritual warfare um, a lot of times gets confused and built up to be something that it really isn't. So we want to consider this this morning. And I want to start with point number one in your outline that says where it all begins. The reality of this spiritual warfare actually, I think, begins at salvation. And you go, what? Yeah. Because you are made alive to things that are spiritual now. And now you realize more of the issue of temptation to sin or the the struggle with the flesh. And so, would you turn, uh, we're going to just start here and move on to another passage, but Luke chapter 8, would you go there please? Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Then they, in verse 26, it says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons, who had not put on any clothing for a long time. He was not living in a house, but in the tombs. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would not, and and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now, there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out into the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. So, this is an example of conversion. A very vivid picture, an illustration of conversion. And, Really, it starts with, uh, you and I acknowledging our own, our old nature. Acknowledging our old nature. Uh, we think, but hey, wait a minute, you're talking about demons possessing this guy. I, I didn't have that. But the Bible says, in coming to saving faith, you were transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. So you were under the reign, under the rule of darkness, spiritually apart from Christ. (laughs) So whether or not we had demons in us, the point is we were spiritually dead. And we must acknowledge our old nature so that letter b under number one we can be awakened to the new life that we found in christ that actually was given to us in christ this demoniac didn't uh, go knocking on jesus door saying hey i'd like to check up on uh, spiritual life with you no jesus went and sought him jesus went after him And Christ, notice this, Christ commanded the demons to depart, and they did. The man was healed. He was delivered. He was rescued. And look at verse 35. Verse 35 is what I want us to really let that sink in and simmer in our minds. It's like, here's the result of Jesus' amazing work. It's like high definition, if you will, Right? the picture of Christ's power at work. The people came from the city or wherever they came from, they wanted to see what happened. They had heard. And they came to Jesus and found the demoniac healed, cleansed of his uh, demons. The demons had departed. And what was he doing? (laughs) He was sitting down at Jesus' feet. He was clothed, he was in his right mind, and he was ready and willing to follow Jesus. So what we want to do right now to start with is just take that on the surface for what it is. Jesus did a great work in this man's life. And now he wants to, now the man wants to serve him and live for him and follow him is that your case is that my case as a believer? Is that your call is that what you are res- how you are responding to God's work in your life? So, it's true. Once you are converted, once you are saved, you're made alive, you're made aware of the spiritual things going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 mentions that. We're made alive to the spiritual things. Also in Second Corinthians, it mentions that. But we're especially supposed to be made aware of Christ's power. <laughs> Not just that the guy was healed, but of Christ's power. That's the emphasis. Christ's power in salvation. And as a result of that, we will at some point or another recognize the battle for your mind going on. The battle for the rule of your mind. And so what I believe we find in we're going to move now to Second Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians, so turn there, please. And Paul has been, um, this isn't the first time, but this is an ongoing issue for the apostle Paul in how he's dealing with the emphasis or the influence of false apostles in the area of Corinth. He's got to defend himself that he's a true apostle. And now he's going to defend himself regarding the, um, the methods and so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we had walked according to the flesh. He He's referring to the false apostles there who are, are suggesting that he did things according to the flesh. Okay? And so, what we have is... Point number two is the first step. Four steps, if you will, from Paul of strategy regarding the battle for your mind. And we start off with... Number one, it's number two, sorry. We had to start where it all begins, in salvation. Number two is what to avoid. What to avoid. Paul gives his great example in verse one, saying, I'm going to, you know, go with this. Christ's example, meekness and gentleness of Christ. But then, what he's basically saying to avoid is the messengers, the false messengers who are out there. It's amazing that here, this is the early church. Here's, you know, one of the first churches that's been started. And what's all of a sudden happening? False messengers, false teachers, false apostles. How quickly they came up on the scene. I mean, didn't they just start this church a little while ago, it seems? And it's mentioned in verse 2, for those who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. They were implying that Paul was being a weakling, a wimp with church leadership. Letter B, under number 2, there's faulty methods for ministry, human reasonings, worldly wisdom, religious showmanship. It's like Paul didn't have that. These other guys did. Isn't that interesting that that was an issue back then? And think of it now. Think of it in our day and age. Now, you turn on the TV to watch any TV preacher, and what do you get? You get religious showmanship. You get power players up there. You get, you know, here's these methods for ministry that are faulty, Methods of ministry. And it's like steps for success in the church. Organizational you know, abilities you know, by the executives uh, uh, overseeing the church. Marketing techniques. Strong speaking abilities. And they're all simply gimmicks. Why? Because they all fail to do what only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do. And that's free people from this bondage to sin. Free people from condemnation. This is important to start here because the church influences thinking. It ought to influence thinking. And Paul's trying to separate out the, the, the faulty stuff from the real substance. And the real substance obviously is the gospel So, under point number two, therefore, be discerning. Be discerning. The church at Corinth shows us there's this continual effort to take a stand and to guard the gospel of Jesus Christ by Paul. And folks, that's why we want to continue just lapping it on, just repeating it over and over again. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ Point number three, what to apply. Paul goes on to say, here's what we apply or activate, if you want. Verse four, well, let's look at verse three. For though we walk according to the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Paul takes the little, um, uh, the idea of what the false apostles are saying and translates it to his argument now. And it's about soldiers, it's about warfare. That's the the theme he's running with, the illustration that he's running with, right? And verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Definitely not worldly methods being used for this kind of warfare. So Christians, letter A, must apply the armor of God. You see it in Ephesians chapter 6. You've got to have the armor of God on. Now, I don't imagine any of you pretended this morning to put on a helmet or a breastplate or wrap the girdle around, you know. I won't go any further than that. But it's the girdle of truth, okay? (laughs) But I don't imagine anyone was pretending that you're putting on the armor of God. Maybe we should. (laughs) We need it. It's not like an option. It shouldn't be an option. But yet we treat it like an option only when bad things happen. Now we'll put on the armor of God. But he says, put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6 so that you may be able to stand firm. He says that about three or four times. Emphasizing stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. How do you stand firm? Put on the armor of God. Christian, put on the armor of God. Verse 14 in Ephesians 6 says, gird your loins. Gird your loins. The the midsection with truth. The girdle of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shoes or the boots, if you will. Or even the cleats, if you want to. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Put them on. You know, they didn't have a lot of sidewalks or uh, paved roads back there. They had their share paved, you know, for the Roman highways. But typically, you you were walking on rocks and dirt and all that. Roman soldiers had, you know, shoes that had some little, uh, I'm not sure how, but little spikes to be able to stand in the battle. And here's the picture of the armor of God for the believer and then bring up the and put on the shield of faith to extinguish all the flames of the, of the uh, flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation, put it on. Um, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord. And don't forget, pray at all times. A lot of times we stop with you know that last one, saying, "Oh, I got the spirit of the sword, the, you know, the sword of the, the spirit." But don't stop there. Continue on with pray at all times. That's a part of how we respond in spiritual warfare. Okay? And so, you know, the references there, we're not looking it up, but you can look it up at another time. Ephesians six ten through 18. And the idea of prayer and petitions, pray at all times in the Spirit, has the idea with it. Pray all the time. Uh, what else you want to say there? <laughs> pray at all times. How do you do that? Well, be in the Word, number one. And by the way, in praying, track along with the prayers in the Bible. That's a good, safe way to pray, don't you think? Follow that example of prayers in the Bible. It's a great way to pray. Learn to pray at all times. Just start talking. Uh, how many, you know, you, you drive in your car by yourself? How many of you are singing country western songs or what? I don't know. Start praying regularly, daily, at all times. Let's learn that. I haven't learned it. I'm trying to. I want to pray Without ceasing is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. It helps keep your mind focused on, tuned into, and fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be ready to pray. Have quickness to pray. It leaves very little room for mental wanderings. You know, here's the thing. Most of you know this. You go to pray. You commit yourself to pray. And guess what happens? Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I and and all of a sudden the list pops up in your head and you're not praying. But focused on praying and quick to pray and to pray in all things without ceasing, that's the design, that's what Scripture is calling us to do. And by the way, when we're talking about these weapons of our warfare, it's the armor of the Lord that we just ran right through here. And now we're talking about praying at all times. How about praising him? I think that's another nice weapon. It's a weapon against the, the things that we deal with, you know, in spiritual warfare. And by the way, the more you are praising God and thanking God, guess what? the less you'll be prone to grumble and complain. Some of you remember that old song? Oh, they grumble on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, grumble on Thursday too. and uh, No? (laughs) Grumble in the city, grumble on the farm and at their neighbors too. They grumble it's no harm, they grumble when it's raining, grumble when it's dry, grumble all the year round, grumble till they die. <laughs> I didn't get the tune right. Thank you. <laughs> no. It's a funny way to pierce your heart. And we need that because I can be prone to complain. You can pr- be prone to complain. And by the way, you know what that is? That's what we're going to see here in a little bit. So I I want you to understand the key to your weapon, your weaponry, your arsenal is the word of God. Got it? It's the word of God. And so the more you learn the word of God and and have it hidden in your heart and ready to apply, the, the better off you'll be in regards to spiritual warfare. So that's letter B under number three, the Word of God. This is what is packed with divine power. Okay? It's not the 10-step book or the 20-step book or whatever. It's the gospel. The Word of God is packed with divine power. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful. Paul emphasized this over and over again. What's Romans 1.16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the boom! The bomb! I love it! Ooh, it makes a difference! It's the power of God for salvation. Right? First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Conviction over your sin and conviction over the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Kind of sounds like we could insert the demoniac here at this moment, right? The power of God had worked in his life. How about your story? How about your testimony? Is the power of God evident? No, I, we're not trying to say that, you know, you had a legion of demons fleeing from you and, and off into the, the pigs or the lambs that you, whatever. The, it's the pigs, not the lambs, but the pigs. I'm not saying that. But certainly you were, remember, Colossians 1.13, you were transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. His word is powerful. Isaiah 55, it will accomplish what God sent it out to do. His word is sufficient. Now, with this, under number three, 3B, the, under the word of God, we who attend church regularly, we are familiar with this kind of talk. We're familiar with it. And so therefore, we've got to guard against hypocrisy. We've got to guard against just kicking back and saying, you know, I've heard that. I got it. We've got to guard against this. We've got to guard against knowing without doing. It's a tendency that all of us can easily fall into. I want to encourage you, when you show up for a Bible study, when you show up next Sunday, you pray, God, speak to my heart. God, help me to welcome your word. And here's why. Number four, what to attack. Look back at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. It says that the These are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now we're getting into the good stuff, right? We get to go after Satan, right? Wrong. He says for the destruction of what? Fortresses. We are destroying Satan? No, we're destroying what? speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So here's what we attack. And by the way, attacking is tearing down, uh, demolishing, uh, destroying. Uh, This week, it was a great illustration. The wall on my office was being torn down It felt like it was an earthquake. There's demolishing going on out there. And the wall was doing this. And my window was doing this. Everything falling apart. Why? Because someone was tearing down the wall. We joked about, you know, we should have marched around the building seven times. Blown the trumpets and all that, right? But just please remember, don't get caught up in the thing of attacking Satan. What do you think, who do you think you are? Greater is he that is in you, Christian, than he that is in the world. So we don't need, we don't need to attack Satan. We need to resist Satan. Okay? Draw near to God. Humble yourself before God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Okay? Jesus said it. Satan be gone. For what? It is written. Yes. (laughs) That's how Jesus responded to Satan. He didn't, you know, say, "I I got it over you. You know, you're just a little created angel. I got, he didn't talk to him that way. He spoke the word. He said, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Satan wasn't doing that. So, folks, we've got to think and respond to things biblically. Here's what we attack. The strongholds. Letter 4A. Number 4A. Fortresses are things of Thought. Reasonings, speculations, philosophies, imaginations is one, one uh, reference or one translation calls it. Imaginations. Um, a stronghold is a thinking pattern that's taken hold of in a person's mind. And every one of us have strongholds. Every one of us have strongholds. And those strongholds are things raised up against what? The knowledge of God. These strongholds are really... They're, it's the, just simply wrong types of thinking. And that's what's taken hold in a person's life. In letter B, there's various levels of this. Strongholds from... The domain of darkness from Satan, lies and deceptions about God. Genesis chapter three, right? Here's the serpent that comes and causes doubt in Eve's mind. And this is the this level at this level, the influence, the evil influences, this is the basis of all strongholds. The various levels of strongholds shift now to things like worldly influence, the world system, things like materialism, popularity, fame, power, money, media stars, sports stars. Where does it end? Things like evolution. Evolution. Think how far-reaching evolution has gone into the minds of people. And think of how evolution has um, just caused, you know, certain kinds of lifestyles. Of saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter, you know. And the strong will survive. And, you know, those kinds of things coming forth from that one issue of evolution. Atheism another one and counsel like this in the world counsel like uh, such as just follow your heart follow your heart and it'll it'll be all right you know and most of us have heard that just follow your heart now compare that with scripture the heart is according to god the heart is deceitfully Wicked. At its base, it's deceitfully wicked. It's, it's from its first step, it's rebelling against God doing its own thing. That's the heart of, of you and me without Christ. Another one that we hear in the world. Um, just have an open mind. Have an open mind about things. You know, j- just be open about this. So now we get into, you know, something a little more dicey. It's like, ah, uh, I should be more open about it. What does the Bible say? Be closed-minded? Not necessarily. But I'll tell you what it does tell you. Be discerning. We already mentioned that. Be discerning. Tell the difference between truth and error. Learn that. Grow in that. Mature in that. Okay? Okay. Then another level, we're still under uh, 4B, the various levels, the level of Satan and his strongholds, the level of the world system. And then thirdly, the level of your own making, the level of your own thinking, your, your upbringing. Things you learned growing up in your family, from your friends, and most of all, just from yourself And apart from Christ, that's what the Bible says is worldly, carnal, fleshly thinking. It might not be evil, but it's in that category of here's the flesh dominating your thought life. Okay? And from that, from that level, if you will, um, we have responses like anger anger that leads to rage. We have things like uh, bitterness and malice, similar. We have things like uh, resentfulness, bitterness, unforgiving. Do you see? These are strongholds. All these different levels are strongholds in our lives that have to be torn down and let nothing be raised up against the knowledge of God. So, anything that's raised up against the knowledge of God is like, we could call it like an idol. It's got its, it's a stronghold. It's not easily torn down. But guess what? The Word of God is sufficient. Amen? And it can. When you and I treasure the Word of God above my opinion or above your opinion or above what the world says, That's what God's calling us to do. Anything raised up against the knowledge of God. So now what comes about with where your knowledge is or where my knowledge is of God? That brings that into question. And again, in this day and age in America, seems like for the most part in the minds of Christians, The knowledge of God is not that important because we've got other things raised up against the knowledge of God in our minds. Strongholds that are there. Lines of thinking that you always go to. Well, if this person does this to me, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to do this or I will do this. And that's on a personal level. No one knows about it. I'm not going to tell anyone, but I'm going to treat this person. as that's, that's not right. We've got to bring ourselves under the examination and the light of God's word and say, will I follow what God says in regards to relationships and in regards to how people treat me? Or am I going to go with my own strongholds that really rise up against the knowledge of God in my life? And so, knowledge of God needs to be a priority, doesn't it? I hope that'll be the case for us as a people. Not just the knowledge of God, but the knowledge and the love for God, right? So, it's a call to be spiritually minded. And remember, as we wrap this part up, remember, the attack is not about fighting demons, but fighting off and tearing down worldly demonic doctrines or worldly demonic philosophies or ways of responding to other people that are of the flesh. Tear those down. Ask God to help. Bring in His Word for your counsel. Right? Listen, Satan's target... Is your mind. His weapons are his lies, deceptions, and counterfeits. And why in the world did Jesus say to Peter in Matthew 16? Why did Jesus say to Peter, Get behind me, Satan? Why did he say that? He goes on to say, You're a stumbling block to me. Because Peter had said, May this never be, Lord, that you'll go and die. May this never be. And Peter was told by Jesus, You're stumbling, me. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. We can learn a lot from Peter. (laughs) So, here's an instance of great importance for us. Let's have our minds set on the things of God's interests, growing in that. Finally, number five. What is it that we administer? What are we to administer? And this is um, dealing with the end of verse five in Second Corinthians 10. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that w- phrase, "we are taking every thought captive," is dealing with gaining control. We're to be gaining control in our thought life for God's glory. And so this is what we administer. It's like a governor. The governor administers laws, if you will, and and makes sure things are settled and under control, if you will. Well, by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit's work, you and I can gain control of our thought life and turn it towards biblical thinking more and more and more. That's what life will be about. The process of sanctification, right? Right? Letter A, what we are to administer is, it's our continual objective, it's obedience. Obedience. And with the emphasis on grace in our lives, we we think, obedience, ah, do I really need to deal with that? Because I'm under grace. (laughs) Well, we're called to obey. You know, we're under grace, but keep reading on into, like, Romans chapter 6, we're going to get there soon. And that's talking about obey. What you, who are you going to obey? You are obeying someone right now. You and I. We're slaves to something. Either you're a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. So, our continual objective is obedience. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me. Okay? John 14, 21. So remember, due to the continuous undermining of the devil, the world, and the flesh, just remember the battle for the mind keeps on going. How are you going to respond? And letter B, what's our highest priority? Gets back to Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The greatest commandment, that's what it is, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And were it not for the grace of God, I could never do that. Were it not for the grace of God, you could never do that. But because of Jesus and His grace and His work, we can be people that are growing in this way. To obey God and to love God. This is how the believer in Jesus overcomes In the battle for your mind, keep looking to Jesus in what he did. His overcoming power. Know and use the word of God wisely, appropriately. Let the word of Christ richly dwell and be at home in your heart. Surrounding the armor of God, stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. It might be that you your life isn't full of struggle and strife. It might be that you know the waters are kind of calm for you. That doesn't mean you get a break and you don't have to stand firm. You need to stand firm all the time. Stand firm in Christ and His righteousness. And have the armor of God on. I've been negligent in that. We need to remind ourselves and encourage one another. You have the helmet of salvation on. Why is it the helmet of salvation? It's helping protect your thoughts about what? God and His grace, God and His saving power. And so, what are you becoming? We asked that at the very beginning. What are you becoming? What's going on in your mind? What are the strongholds that you know right away, i got to tear that down. And that's only by the Lord's help that you can tear that stronghold down. So what are you becoming? By His grace, are you a person who sits at Jesus' feet? There's devotion and love. Are you a person who is clothed? What do you mean? Clothed in what? In His righteousness. Are you a person who's sitting there clothed and in your right mind? Are you thinking clearly about God and who He is? And God and what He does? We can't cover it all now, but time in the Word is absolutely critical. And oh, by the way, there's one more thing that we uh, connect to regarding the demoniac who is healed. What was that? He's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's clothed in Christ's righteousness. He's in his right mind. And he's asking, Lord, can I come with you? You remember what the Lord says to him? Nope. Nope. What? He can't go. Go and what? Go and tell your family and your friends what God has done, what great works God has done in your life. This is what we close with. It really is summed up with loving and obeying Jesus. Loving and obeying him. So let's ask God for His help in polishing that up in the heart. Not just on the outside, but from the heart. So that we're motivated in this way to track along and recognize the battle of the mind is critical. The battle for the mind is critical. What are you, what are you allowing to get built up in your mind? And by the way, young people, now is it's critical that you are alert to that because your mind is, you know, still. Um, you're probably much smarter than me, but the, the point is, you're 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 developing things in your thinking, in your thought processes, and it even comes down to like the music that you listen to. You know, most all of us know how powerful music can be with lyrics for good or for bad. Dish it. Get rid of the garbage. Remember we used to teach the little children, garbage in, garbage out. Your mind is like a computer. I can't remember that one anyway, but we'll move on. So, let the mind of the Master be... The master of your mind. Let's close in prayer. Father we bow before you. And say thank you for being who you are. Many times your word proclaims. Thy word is truth. And as Jesus said, thy word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. So Lord, um, we want to submit ourselves and humble ourselves and yield to you in your work that you continually do and so faithfully, so effectively. Help us, Lord, in tearing down strongholds that shouldn't be there, that raise up garbage against the knowledge of God. and father we we know that we can't do this in our own power so please lord uh, give us wisdom and grace and help us to be christians that are maturing in how we think and resisting the the ways of thinking from the flesh and the old nature Want to be spiritual in mind, spiritual in responses, praising your name, praying without ceasing, rejoicing in all things. Lord, be glorified, we pray. Finally, brothers, pray for us that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.